0: Father, we thank you, God. We thank you that we, as the children of God, can have confidence that the light shines in darkness. And God, that the darkness has not overcome it. And God, we come tonight to celebrate the birth of our Savior, the birth of our Lord, the birth of the King of Kings. God, we thank you for that. We thank you that tonight we can gather and worship you We celebrate, God, who you are, your love, your faithfulness, your compassion, your mercy, your grace that you pour out, God, upon us. We celebrate what you've done in Jesus that he's done for us, God, what we can never do for ourselves. He's made a way for us to be right with you. And God, we come tonight not to go through the motions of a tradition. We come tonight to worship and to celebrate who you are and what you've done. Lord, I pray, God, that what took place 2,000 years ago would not be lost on us tonight, but that, God, we would remember, and, God, we would celebrate, and we would rejoice that even when the darkness tries to crowd around us, The light still shines and the darkness has not overcome it. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, You guys can go ahead and have a seat. So, quick question for you, and we're going to jump in here. And I want to share something that's been on my heart for quite a while with you. Um, How many of you tonight at some point in time said good morning to someone? I'm just making sure I'm not alone. Um, I figured that every time we do something in the evening, I usually start out with, you know, hey, good morning, uh, I guess just out of habit, but uh, so don't feel bad if you did. It's something that I think uh, we all do. So anyway, I um, want to tell you, you know, hold on to those glow sticks. I, I was kind of wondering who might be the first one, you know, that guy or that girl who goes ahead and breaks it, but just hold on to those, have those handy. Um, we will get to a point where those uh, become important in the service. Um, We'll do something with those shortly. We're going to be in the passage of Scripture that uh, J.C. read to us earlier in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. I do want to read that again, and then we're going to talk about this passage, some. And, and I hope you will be as, as encouraged as I've been as I've studied this. This has been really impactful for me as I've just thought through these passages of Scripture again and the power that they have and what they represent and who they represent. And so let's read it, John 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, speaking of Jesus. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. This is a verse I really want us to focus on. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. I want to ask you this question. How many of you find that oftentimes when you remember the good old days, they're better than what they actually were? Anybody realize that? That in life we have this tendency to remember life better than it may have actually been. For example, how many of you are a better athlete, musician, student than you actually were when you were in school? You're better now than you were then in your own mind. Anybody else? right? we were all better. It, we get together with our buddies. We, we talk like, you know, we were the best that there's ever been, right? We get better over time in our own minds. There's, there's other things. Um, relationships. How many, have you, how many of you have heard this where people will say this? They'll say, um, you know, I sure do miss old so-and-so. And then you think back and you're like, all you did was talk bad about so-and-so when they were here. And somehow they're thinking back and remembering this as if it were something that was good. How about seasons of life, like having a baby? We talk about having a baby like it was just this incredible moment that there were no challenges. It was so wonderful. You forget about having to wake up every two hours to feed that joker, right? You forget about sleeping on the couch or... Like for me, when I would put in a baby Einstein movie, it was still in a VCR and I'd be laying on the couch, rocking, trying to just get them to sleep. And then I, could, I would literally, I would wake up as I would hear the music come on for that thing to end. And I was like, no, it was awful. And we think about that. We, we, we think back though, and we have a tendency to kind of forget those parts uh, a lot of times. We, we kind of have to develop baby amnesia before we have the second one. That's why mine are three years apart. Now, JC and Kim, they have six children under 10. I think they have like some kind of short-term memory issue. I don't know why you would do that, but to each his own. And so kind of think back to things a little better as they were oftentimes. And sometimes I think we even do that with history. Sometimes I think um, we think back to like Jesus's day and we think it was so different from ours. And we think back and we think, like, because we have technology and all this, and certainly it is different than that. They didn't have smart, you know, that. They, they didn't have those things. Sure, it was different in that way. But we think back and we think that, you know, somehow we're, we're more advanced, we're more intelligent, even, we're wiser, we're more capable. We kind of think about people who lived a long time ago as just not being as smart or as bright and we're kind of advanced beyond them. And for some reason, this tends to happen as well. We tend to think about people who were before us as being somewhat more moral than we are or somewhat more um, innocent, like they didn't know as much as we do. We think about the world that Jesus came in and sometimes we don't realize the world that actually existed And that he came to, we certainly think back to those days many times and we at least think they probably couldn't understand the world we live in. Anybody else ever done that? Like things are so different today that could they really understand the world that we live in? And so we tend to think that things in Jesus's world, when he walked the earth, were so different from our world that we currently live in. But I wanna to try to correct some of that thinking because the truth is that Jesus was born within the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was, much of its culture centered around intellectualism, like gaining knowledge and, and really trying to um, be masters in, in philosophy and all of these different things. And so there was this great desire for attaining knowledge. Uh, the Roman culture centered largely, um, a big part of it was centralism, all kinds of sin and immorality. It, it was prevalent within this Roman Empire. If you even take one city that's mentioned in Scripture several times. One city that's mentioned in Scripture over and over. Actually, two letters that Paul wrote to this city. You look at the city of Corinth. It was known for its immorality. It was known for the sin that took place there. It was a a, a place known to be very prosperous. There was a lot of money flowing around, but it was also known as a place that had a very independent spirit. And when you combine the prosperity and this independent, autonomous spirit, there was all kinds of sensuality that was happening. It was so much so that there was one person way back when, who actually coined a Greek word to describe the Corinthians, and the word literally meant they act like a Corinthian. Can you imagine if this place where we live was like that? People were like, they act like a Statesbarian, right? It was just immoral. It was sensual. It, it was a place of where, where things were not perfect. They were not good. They were not less than what we experience today. If I don't want to show you this in scripture, go to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. And Jesus is in a little bit of a debate, not a debate you want to be in with Jesus. But the Pharisees are criticizing some of his disciples um, about the Pharisees are criticizing them for not holding to some traditions and what they were eating and how they were eating it and all this stuff. And, and then Jesus comes to this place where in Mark chapter 7, verse 20, he says on this. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. He's saying, like what you eat, that doesn't defile you. He says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evil come from inside and defile a person. Now, we could take a lot of different messages from this. All I want you to see in here is the things that he mentions. He mentions sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed. I don't even have to keep going. Do we see any of that around us today? So here's the thing I would tell you, the world that Jesus lived in is not very different from the world you and I live in today. There was still darkness around, there was still sin around, there was still evil around, it was still very real in his day and we can try to say the Bible is antiquated, the Bible is old and has no relevancy. That sounds pretty relevant to me. If we can find truth, and I believe we have it in God's word, that deals with that issue, then it is still relevant today. And so when we look at this, this is all I'm trying to set up right now. I just want you to understand this. The world that Jesus was born into was not perfect. The world that Jesus was born into was not somehow more moral, more right, more righteous than the world we live in today. And when we think about Jesus's birth, listen, because this is what we typically even come in on Christmas Eve thinking, is like when we, other than like, I wanna eat so I can go open my presents, which is what my youngest child is thinking right now. He's like, he asked me this afternoon, he's like, Dad, so how long is this service gonna be anyway? I'm like, I don't know, about an hour. He goes, oh, a little shorter than normal. I'm like, yeah, probably. I'm like, you got something you wanna do somewhere you need to be? I mean, I know what he's thinking. I've been 10 years old myself, right? But we often think, think this way. When we walk into a Christmas Eve service or we think about Christmas, um, we think about the birth of Jesus, of course, but we often think of it like this, like, oh, look, a baby, right? A baby. And we kind of think of it like that because babies are pure and innocent. We think about babies and the babies are so cute. And as long as there's somebody else's and we, 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 we just think about them like that. And certainly Jesus as a baby, he was pure. He was innocent. He was all of that, but here's the thing I want you to understand tonight. The world he was born into wasn't. The world he was born into wasn't pure, it wasn't innocent, it wasn't right. And because of that, listen, listen, Jesus's birth was invasive. Because of that, Jesus's birth was offensive. Because of that, Jesus's birth was threatening. It wasn't, oh, look, there's a baby. It was invasive. It was offensive. It was threatening. Jesus' birth was threatening because it threatened man's independence and his sufficiency apart from God that he tried to attain. But now, listen, the Lord of lords was born. It was threatening. It was threatening because it threatened. His birth threatened the rule of earth's Kings, because the King of Kings had appeared. We even see this in the Gospels. King Herod, when he found out about Jesus' birth, he was so disturbed, the Bible says, so threatened that he sent the Magi, go find out where this child was born and you come back and tell me. But they warned and they didn't go back. They, they tricked him and they went back another way. And Herod found out and he sent people. He sent people to go kill every boy that was two years and younger in that area because he was so threatened by this young king who had been born. Jesus' birth is threatening because it's challenged. It challenged and it exposed the religious system of his day, and it threatened the livelihood of those who were profiting from it. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, because you know what, if he was right, then they were wrong. And a lot of what they built their life on became heresy, and it threatened their very existence and their very identity. Jesus's birth was offensive because his life, listen, this is tough, His life reveals our inadequacies. Like when we look at Jesus, we see all of our imperfections. We see all of our flaws. It's offensive. His birth was offensive because it confronts our pride, our prideful rebellion against God. And it calls us to humble ourselves before that King of Kings and that Lord of Lords. Jesus's birth was invasive. It was invasive because he wouldn't settle for modifying our behavior. He wouldn't settle for modifying our behavior or as Jesus even says in one of um, his rebukes of the Pharisees, just cleaning the outside of the cup. Jesus and his presence are invasive because they go into our hearts his, his word, his power, his spirit works on the inside. It's invasive. Jesus' birth was invasive because it was the light of God invading the darkness of a fallen world. And now it's invasive because those who follow him are called and equipped to penetrate the society around them with the light of Christ I want you to understand that's what we're reading about in John chapter one it's not something that John is even painting as something that's warm and fuzzy it's something that he's saying light came into darkness and it was exposed light came into darkness and it was expelled listen to this one more time John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light of Jesus, Jesus's birth even, were invasive, offensive, and threatening. If you've been around, you know I've got three boys. Well, this morning, all three boys decided they were going duck hunting. I had my alarm set for 6 30. About six o'clock, door opens. I hear it, so I roll over. It's my oldest son coming in and he's just using the light on his phone so he doesn't wake me up. (laughs) But I hear the door open, so I roll over and with just a little bit of light, all I can see is this big figure standing in the doorway with this hat on that could have very easily been a mask. He comes over and he's asking me a question about something to do with one of the shotguns and I, uh, and I roll back over. Then it was my middle son's turn. He comes in, but see, he approaches it a lot different. He comes in on the cloak of darkness. <laughs> and when he gets to the bed, he just lays on me and gives me a hug. And he says, hey, dad, Can I use your shotgun? (sighs) So I roll back over. Now it's my youngest one's turn. Here he comes. I hear him coming. You can hear him coming. I hear him coming. So I just go ahead and roll over. And I'm like, what? He's like, hey, dad. (laughs) It's like, that's all he wanted. So then I roll back over one more time. My oldest son comes back in. He's walking over to where we keep our hunting stuff and he just flips the light on at this point. And he's like, oh my, oops, I didn't mean to do it. I'm like, does it really matter at this point? I mean, come on. So I just go ahead and get up. I help them get their stuff together. But when he flips the light on, you've all had this experience. When you flip that light on, what is it? It it startles you. It's like, I, I, I like to do this to my kids sometimes when they're asleep. Just flip the light on and watch their face. You know what I'm talking about? It's like they're asleep, especially my little one now. I walk in and flip the light on, he's like, he doesn't wake up. It's just like that. And so, that of the year, right? Um, but you know what that's like. It's almost like, too, when a bright light all of a sudden shines in your eyes, it, it's like you're almost temporarily blind. And, and we've all kind of experienced that, that startledness, that. That almost blindness of lights that just all of a sudden flash hits you in the eyes. And when it's dark and someone turns on those lights, it, it penetrates. It's, it's invasive in our eyes. When they turn those lights on, it's offensive because it doesn't feel good. We don't like it. Um, when we turn the lights on and it catches us off guard, we don't like it. It's threatening because it wakes us from our comfort and a lot of what we've been experiencing that comfort, that comfortableness. So no wonder guys, listen to this. No wonder John says that Jesus was in the world and the world did not recognize him. It was startling. He came into the world. It was invasive. It was offensive. It was threatening. No wonder that his own did not receive him. But when we look at the scripture, it says this. It talks about how the true lights come into the world. It says that he came to those, in verse 11, he came to those which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And listen to this. And and this is one of those big transition words. When you read the Bible, you look for these words. But it says, yet, yet. He says, yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. It doesn't say, listen, it doesn't say they earned it. It doesn't say they worked for it. It doesn't say they had to have it all together before it was given to them. It doesn't say they had to make themselves right with God. It just says to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, that he gave the right to become children of God. How could he do that? Because through what he did on the cross and by faith in what he did on the cross, he gives us his righteousness. And when we received his righteousness, we then have the right, not in of ourselves, but because of Jesus, to be called the children of God. And see, the way we see the light, the way we understand Jesus coming into the world, the way we think about Jesus, how we see it, how we see the light depends on which side of the cross we're on. It depends on which side of the cross we're on. So if I'm on the side of unbelief, then it's evasive, it's offensive, it's threatening. But if I'm on the side of belief, it changes the whole ball game. If I'm on the side a belief, it causes me to see things differently. Because to those who did receive him, he's not a threat. He wasn't a threat to our self-sufficiency. What he did was he showed us that his grace is sufficient. For those who did receive him, he wasn't a threat to our life. He became our source of life. To those who did receive him, he wasn't a threat to our religious system. He delivered us from it. The system that says, clean yourself up. The system that says, just do enough good. The system that says, be a good boy, be a good girl, be a good Christian, and he'll receive you. He delivered us from that. And now we live live out of his acceptance and love, not performing for it. For those who did receive him, he wasn't offensive when he revealed that our inadequacy had been overcome by what he did for us. He was no longer offensive when he revealed that our sin, which was exposed by his life and by his light had been triumphed over. He wasn't offensive when he challenged our pride wasn't offensive once we saw how he humbled himself to go to the cross. We even become thankful that his light is invasive because we realize he's working on the inside to change the outside, and I don't have to pretend I've got it all together. We become thankful that his light's invasive because that light that once blinded us now shines the way before us in the dark world we live in. In the world we live in right now, and even before this, we all know 2020 was a year from hell, right? But but even before this, in the world we live in, would it not be easy to look around us and go, oh yeah, well, where is the light? Would it not be easy to challenge that, to question that? If this is true, then if what you're saying is true, where's the light? Here's what's interesting. When John says this, he says, the light shines in the darkness in verse five. And the darkness has not overcome it. Now listen, this is present tense, right? I don't know much about English, so correct me if I'm wrong. But I think this is present tense. He's saying the light now shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So think about this, Jesus has already lived his life, died on the cross, been buried, raised, and ascended to heaven. What John is writing is well, probably close to 60 years after Jesus' death. And yet John can say in the present tense, The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So how does that work? Like if the light that came into the world is no longer in the world, how does the light still shine and the darkness still not overcome it? Isn't that kind of a logical question? Go to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five, verse 14 look at what it says. It says, you are the light of the world. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that pretty remarkable? That Jesus was born. He came into the world, the light of the world. He came into the world and he he shined in the darkness and the darkness never overcame it. And then as he's teaching, he looks at the people he's talking to and he says, you are the light of the world. And when it says you, he's not meaning like you, JC, or you, Chip, or you, Bo. He means y'all. They just didn't have that word in Greek. But that's what he meant. He meant y'all are the light of the world. You know what that means? Us, we are the light of the world. Is that not incredible that what Jesus started, we still carry? Is it not incredible that what Jesus started, we carry within us by his presence? That's absolutely remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable that this statement is true. That if you are a follower of Jesus, the light of Christ is in you. Let me tell you this, with all that's gone on in 2020, with all that's gone on in some of your lives for for a lot of years, with all that's gone on in 2020, guess what, we're still here. Guess what, God's still faithful. With all that's gone on in 2020, guess what, the light is still shining. Let me ask you a few questions. And here's the thing I want you to do. I'll try to go through these fairly quickly. But when I ask the question, I want you to participate. So if your neighbor's sleeping, elbow, particularly in the face. Um, let me ask you a few questions. And then when I ask them, I want you to participate. I want you to put your hand up and I want you to keep it up for just a minute, okay? Until we're done with asking the questions. If your arm gets tired, prop it up on your neighbor's head. Just lean it right up on there. But let me ask you this. I I just want to ask a few questions. These are a little bit probing. But how many of you lost a loved one this year? Keep your hand up. How many of you have had a struggle with a relationship this year? How many of you have faced fear at some point this year? How many of you have faced anxiety this year? How many of you have faced an illness this year? How many of you have faced a financial challenge this year? Some of you don't have three arms or you'd have them all up, right? How many of you have wondered if you were gonna make it through the year? How many of you just think That 2020 was somewhat, maybe just a little bit of a dark year. Keep your hands up. Look around, look around. And here's the thing I want you to see. Is that when we think about these things in our spirits, in our hearts, and in our minds, it can feel like this. But here's the good news, guys. The light still shines in the darkness. And see, there were a few believers that came along and they followed Jesus and the Holy Spirit filled their lives And there were a few believers, and it was just a few. It says 120 gathered in that room. 120 gathered when the Holy Spirit was given and the Holy Spirit filled those first believers. But you know what? There's a whole lot of us now. And all throughout the letters, the writers of the letters, whether it was Peter, whether it was Paul, whether it was John, Whoever wrote those letters, they wrote those letters and there was so much encouragement, just stand firm in the faith. If you'll stand firm, he's coming. And the thing I want you to be encouraged with tonight is that the light is still shining in the darkness. Listen to me, the darkness has not overcome it. And that's not just a promise for yesterday. Or today, that's a promise for tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. And guess what? It's a promise for eternity. That the light will shine in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. The light of Jesus will shine. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord that the light of Christ is still shining. I thank you that there's not enough power in hell to put out that light. I thank you that the darkness has been exposed. Satan, you've been exposed for who you are. You're a liar, you're a deceiver. But tonight we stand firm on the truth that Jesus has had the last say. And we will continue to stand firm on truth that God, your light will not be extinguished and your light lives in us. And as we've looked around and we've seen the people around us, the followers of Jesus who've held up this light, God, sometimes we can't see it tangibly, but tonight we know it's represented by all of these lights that we're not in this together. And we, you, y'all are the light of the world. And we thank you for that. Tonight, we grab hold of that light. We grab hold of your truth. We grab hold of it by faith. And we thank you, God, that we can stand firm on your promises. God, this isn't about anything tonight other than worshiping you, remembering you, thanking you for who you are and for what you've done. And tonight, especially, as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, especially tonight as we celebrate the fact that the light shines in the darkness and no darkness of hell can overcome it. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.